Hey, Mike. Hey, Anna. Hey, I was thinking after we record this Zoom, shall we run to the park and with Prudence, Billy and Mr. Binks? Uh, I'd love to, but as you can hear, Billy is excited because his delivery is turning up any minute now. Oh, what delivery is that? Paleo Ridge. No way, you've done it. I have, I have. After you gave us a sample of yours, Billy absolutely loves it. And if, come here, Billy, come here. So you can see how see how his, his coat is all nice and shinier now and see in his belly. Oh, remember, look. remember I was telling you how his, it was all bald there and now it's all growing back? Yeah, yeah. I thought it would help with that because it boosts the immune system. And of yeah. course, the skin is an organ like any other organ in the body. It's exactly. the biggest organ. So he looks very white and shiny. He's very white and shiny. And uh, all that talk of rock harpoo that you were always mentioning, it's mm. actually true. So it's not quite the... Um, mess that we would normally have to clean up uh in the heath anymore it's actually quite easy now isn't it bill isn't it oh good for you billy yeah and anyway i always think roy is the best and for me paleo ridge is the best of the best so if you want to find more everybody check out the show notes you know you've got a little inherited problem that affects your hips. Well, inherited issues affect a lot of dogs. That's why we're about to jump on Zoom to talk to Annie Wilson, who's just launched a petition called What's In My Genes? And that's to encourage all dog breeders to health test their dogs. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hi Anna, thank you very much for inviting me on. Now I'm so excited to chat with you because I know the issues you want to talk about, they're extremely close to my heart, which is of course the health, well-being and longevity of our dogs. You have a Bernese Mountain Dog called Button. Yes, that's right. She's lying down here beside me as we speak. How old is Button now? She's just turned four. Oh, so she's still, you know, on the young side of life, which is wonderful. Yes, she's got the mentality of a six-month-old puppy, though, at times, <laughs> which is lovely. <laughs> well, yes, no, that's fantastic. Tell us a little bit more about Button, because she really has been a very pivotal dog in your life for many reasons. Yes, she was, uh, she was my second Bernese, my last Bernese was beautiful, had no problems with her, and she lived until she was 10. She was called Bumble, and she was also a therapy dog, so she works with my clients, as, as Button does. Um, and uh, I got Button in the December 2017, I think it was, and at the age of seven months or eight months, she was uh, diagnosed with elbow dysplasia. She hadn't ever really particularly wanted to walk much, and um, I've heard things like, Bernie's are stubborn, puppies can be stubborn. And when I think back, actually, puppies can't be stubborn. If puppies are all right, they want to run and play and jump. So I think there's always something niggling at her. Um, so she went on and had an operation at nine months. Um, she had to have the uh, ulnar bone cut in her right arm and reduced. Um, and the left arm, uh, she had arthroscopy in both of them. Um, and she was just confined for such a long time because she had to let this heal. Um, 
when she came back from uh, surgery, I'd made her this beautiful little healing pen with herbs for healing herbs and crystals and animal prayer flags. And there was a healing tree with messages from her friends and everything in this little pen. And she just wouldn't go in it. She hated it. Oh. <laughs> she hated being um, confined. She, it was just really too stressful for her. So in the end, we just moved like the, the couch and the chairs and just made a little pen with, with the furniture in the room so that she couldn't get anywhere. And she was happy with that. She was fine with that. As long as we were in there with her, she was fine. Start, Annie, to your dog with all the high hopes, you know, of, you know, we can never replace dogs. But I think everyone hopes that their second dog, you know, will be your bumble reincarnated. I know I certainly hope to that prudence, you know, my second bull terrier would be my mm. first bull terrier brought back, you know. And, and needless to say, they are generally speaking completely different <laughs> um, in every way um, and and obviously having all that surgery so early on it's not a good start for any pup and any ongoing relationship really very hard it was really hard for her she missed out in all her socializing so leading up to the operation she had to be kept away from any excitement because we couldn't have a jumping or anything like that so she missed out on so much of socialization um, so it was probably about a year before we could really take her out into the big wide world for her to experience other dogs. And she was bonkers. She, if you imagine a puppy that had never been allowed to play as a puppy, she was now a, a one-year-old, 18-month-old dog with all that beans in her that just wanted to go. So uh, she, she, uh, she just, anytime she saw a dog, she was just like so overexcited. So we had to do loads and loads of training with her which was really good. We all enjoyed that. And uh, we had some one-to-one -one as well. Um, we did some long lead training, which was really good for recall and things. It was really good. The trainers were really good, really helpful. Um, because what, once she saw a dog, that was it. She wanted to play and would never come back. So, but now she's brilliant. We've got the, uh, what's it called? Uh, like the emergency recall thing quick recall thing is cheese and she just flies back to me <laughs> right yeah 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 the, 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 the cue the cue yeah <laughs> oh it's brilliant I know training is is such great fun I mean it just strengthens the bond between you and your dog and I I always feel people who don't do all the stuff you've just said the, the you know the recall training with a long line and everything they're missing out you know and ultimately you know it just builds frustration between owner and the dog if you know you can't just go cheese and have your dog pelt back to you. You mm -hmm. know, I think 45% of all pandemic puppies have no recall, apparently, according to a study by some food firm recently, which is massive. That's like half of 4 million dogs have no recall. And it is unfortunately showing locally here, for example. I'm sure you've seen it where you live, Annie. Um, lots of youngsters come bounding up and literally have no recall, which can cause quite a lot of issues actually yeah if you've got a reactive dog luckily buttons just like she loves any dog so she's fine when these dogs pile into her but uh yeah if you've got a reactive dog it's it's it can be end up in tears can't it big tears and blood well you don't even don't need want... a reactive dog you just don't want another dog ruining your walk putting it yeah, bluntly yeah. really spoiling your fun but learning about elbow dysplasia it must have been like kind of quite a crash course was it Annie you know in terms of 
after the diagnosis of her elbow and then obviously going through the surgeries and the rehab, you must have felt really upset. Oh, yeah, we were devastated. The worst thing was seeing her in pain and and having to confine her so much. It's horrible for a young dog to be so confined because she, she'd got to let it heal. But I, I knew of elbow dysplasia. I, I knew it existed, just as I knew hip dysplasia existed. But I never knew it was such a serious, serious condition. I thought it was just a little bit of arthritis as they grew up. You know, I didn't realise that it's really debilitating and really painful for them and causes them quite a few to have to have operations. It's a huge deal. Well, it's a lifelong rehabilitation, really, isn't it, Annie? Yeah. I mean, she's on pain meds for life and uh, supplements. And we're just because um, she got elbow dysplasia, she's prone to hip dysplasia and that upset her hips because a lot of weight was going on the back instead of the front. So her hip, she's got bad hips as well, which is also uh, compensated somewhere in her spine. So that was that was hurts a lot as well. So, you know, what, you know yourself, if you've got a limp in a leg, you bend your back and you're hobbling around and everything starts hurting. And that was like it is for her. So now we're doing, now things are a lot, um, it's taken a few years, but now things are more settled. We're having, um, it's like hydrotherapy. It's when the treadmill's in the water. So it's not swimming, it's on a treadmill in the water. And that is helping immensely to build up the muscles in the back legs for a hip dysplasia, which is also hereditary. So Annie, in terms of the hip dysplasia, uh, has she been tested for that? Yes, at the time when uh, they x-rayed her uh, for her elbow dysplasia, he also said she got hip dysplasia. So when she was seven months, eight months. And did you talk to the breeder about this? I did. Yeah, well, um, and so were the parents tested (laughs) or not? They were actually. um, And sadly, the mother had really bad elbows. And the breeder still bred from her? Yeah. Were they out of interest? So were they Kennel Club assured? No, they weren't. Kennel Club registered, but not assured. But just on that, Anna, I've just got to mention, Kennel Club assured breeders, they, they, they have to do certain tests, but only certain, but they don't have to abide by the results. So um, when I was looking to elbow dysplasia, I found that there was an assured breeder with a stud dog of ED3, which is the worst, and he, he, he was breeding litter after litter. Gosh. And he was an assured breeder. So you've really, really, really got to do your homework. You can't take, sadly, assured breeders are brilliant. It's, it's loads better than nothing, but it isn't the be all and end all. You've still got to check within the assured breeders that they've actually took notice of the results. Yes. And I mean, obviously, the kennel club's open to information and feedback from customers. You know, I mean, I would inform the kennel club of that to be oh good yeah no brilliant yeah well I mean you've got to really because at the end of the day they don't individually breed all of these litters you know I always liken the kennel club to like the AA you know they give recommendations you know like the AA says don't drink and drive you know but we all know people still do so and that's not the AA's fault do you know what I mean so I I do feel sometimes I mean after 2007's airing of pedigree dogs exposed I just thought you know gosh 
they've been bombed. And it was a little bit skewed, I think, and taken out of perspective. However, roll on by three years, I mean, 2010 and the Bateson report, you've got to say, I mean, the Kennel Club have invested millions and millions of pounds using what is basically the latest science. I always say like back in 1940, say people were breeding poodles. They knew that some some pups of a poodle litter would go blind. They didn't know which ones. Obviously, it was actually the same with miniature bull terriers until quite recently when modern science allowed for a test for primary lens luxation to be invented and to work so that miniature bull terrier breeders, for example, can you know breed puppies now that they know will not go blind. Okay. Now, when I got my first miniature bull terrier moles in 2002, that technology still hadn't been invented because the technology wasn't quite there. But obviously, we know, you know, what we're creating vaccines very quickly now that we're able to do and all sorts of things. You know, we have this amazing scientific mechanics at our fingertips. So, you know, in fairness to the Kennel Club, they've they've put everything in place for people to use. But of course, it's getting people to invest the money, I think, when they're breeding litters. I think a lot of dog breeders do breed for money only. Yeah, I mean, the Kennel Club are a registration organisation. They're not an enforcer, which they've been told me quite a few times when I've asked them if they can do something more to make people do the tests. So they're not an enforcer. They're a registration organisation. So in order to get people to actually do the tests, it's got to go right back to government and to legislation. Yeah, yeah. And to hit DEFRA, definitely. Mm. And that's what you're doing, though. You have launched a petition, haven't you, Annie? Yes, we have. We've got a petition um, and it's calling for mandatory registration of all breeding dogs subject to satisfactory assessment of health, temperament, confirmation and the inbreeding, the COI efficiency, which all, all this is set out. So the, the, the registration is already there. The Kennel Club's got the registration system. So it will be down to a breeder that say they've got a dog, they want to breed it. They, they get all the um, health tests done that they have to do. And we need to get a, a panel of independent vets to make a list of every hereditary disease test that each breed needs to do. Then the, it will be up to the breeder to pay and get those tests done. Then I believe if we had a network of um, behaviorists up and down the country that could assess the temperament, and vets to assess the confirmation. They gather all that together, send it to the Kennel Club, and then the Kennel Club has got no enforcement. It's got all the paper there, and it, it, as long as it all is satisfactory, then they can register them. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. And then no, I... the puppy buyer knows the kite mark, a registered Kennel Club dog, has got all that and you know behind it, and then they it's the best possible chance of having a healthy puppy. Because there's nowhere, there's nowhere definite that says all these tests have been done. That the, the assured breeder scheme is brilliant, but it's not quite there yet. It's got recommended and required. E even for um, you know the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel that Norway have just banned breeding, so they're susceptible to really specific disorders. Hereditary. Oh, disorders. I know. And it's only required. It's not even. It's only recommended. It's not even required as a uh, CMS then as a, as a uh, assured breeder. 
and the health testing i don't think is even on the heart health testing isn't even on there so there's loads of gaps still and that's what we want this petition to fill if every breed, breeding dog was tested bob's your uncle you know where to go then well, you do. And um, mm-hmm. I think this is brilliant. But I know that DEFRA have just changed the licensing of um, breeders. I think this is actually coming into play today. There's been um, a lot of tightening up in terms of the licensing of breeders. So, And I know health testing is certainly on that. But this is really enlightening that if you actually say that Cavaliers, I mean, I'm not up to speed on Cavaliers particularly, but I know they've got huge heart problems. They get syringeomelia and their heads are uh, too small for their brains. Mm. And um, it's a terrible situation. So if heart testing isn't prerequisite to breed a litter of Cavaliers, I, I must admit, I'm a bit like, oh my God, because they're known for their their heart problems. And it's such a shame, you know, because they are lovely dogs. I mean, I often recommend a Cavalier to be someone's first dog, you know, because, you know, they are very easy, happy dogs, um, quite biddable and and, and a great size as well, particularly for urban living. So um, it's a great shame. And of course, the cousin, the King Charles Spaniel, is pretty much extinct actually now because of popular of the designer crossbreeds, which opens up a whole nother <laughs> motorway <laughs> to drive mm. up now, doesn't it, Annie? <laughs> it does, but it's the same for every puppy that you look at. Both parents have got to have the relevant health tests, whether it be a Labradoodle, a Cockapoo, a, a, a purebred Lab, a purebred Cocker Spaniel. Both parents have got to have the health tests. I know. And the thing is, of course, these Pedigree Dogs Exposed programmes, they really launch, they open the floodgates, I think, for designer crossbreeds. And the sad truth is, you know, they can be doubly as ill as um, a pedigree, really. And, And there's such a myth around the fact that, you know, because they are technically a mongrel, they are going to be healthier than uh, a purebred Labrador, a Labradoodle is definitely going to be healthier than a purebred Labrador. And, you know, it, it just isn't factually correct. So, you know, I feel that they've been using this as a way, obviously, to sell puppies that potentially, you know, are no healthier and even some of them will molt. <laughs> but but it's it's not just the designer dogs. I mean, I, totally when, when they're um, being bred, for like teacup dogs or or the confirmation is all skewed and isn't like allowing the dog to be a dog. That's so wrong. But sometimes the mixed breeds, if both the parents are health tested, it's okay to have one of those. It's the same as it's okay to have a a pedigree dog if both the, uh, you know, the, the parents are health tested. Yeah, and of course, all dogs are fantastic. I mean, I would actually say that with some of the designer crossbreeds, um, there isn't enough type going on. And lots of people, and are first-time dog owners, for example, my my example is always the cockapoo. You know, they mm. take on cockapoos because they look like teddy bears, and they really have no idea that they are taking on a highly tuned gun dog. So when, um, you know, behaviour issues spring up, you know, these dogs end up being rehomed or resold on 
online or given to a rescue if the dog's lucky. But more often than not, at the moment, what people are doing is just literally reselling dogs on the internet. So, which is fueling more and more problems as well. I just feel, Annie, at the moment, there are so many issues around dogs that that it's Mm -hmm. really, really quite depressing, not least as well, the market being flooded by puppy farm dogs, you know, they're, they're pouring in from Ireland and being sold on the internet. Yeah, a lot needs to be tightened up. I absolutely agree with you, Annie, you know, and I, I feel for you with, with Buttons. I really, really do. And she's a young dog still, but it seems that, you know, you're doing all the right thing, um, keeping her weight down, feeding her a good diet. And are, are you giving her green lip muscle at all? Yeah, I think, you know, that's magic, you know, green lip muscle. It's in, it's in one of the um, joint supplements. And I, uh, at the beginning, I tried one and then I tried another. And it was just so obvious that it was the green lip muscle that was doing. One hadn't got green lip muscle in. And it's it's a painkiller, isn't it, for some reason? I, well, it seemed like it for her. Yeah. It definitely helped. Yeah. Oh, gosh, we're all on it. I'm on it. Um, everybody's <laughs> on it. My cat's on it, you know, because cats um, get arthritis generally quite early because they they mm. jump a lot. They strain their bodies quite a lot. Yeah, scaling fences and things mm. like that. So, yeah, yeah, greenlit muscle, it's brilliant. It's just, you know, a natural source of chondroitin and glucosamine in a, you know, in a very bioavailable natural format, you know, as opposed to your typical, you know, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories that are obviously extremely processed and pharmaceutical, yeah. you know. And I think it's it's good to balance with some nutraceuticals where, where you can. I don't take her off anything. She's on so many meds and she's surviving and she's having a good quality of life. I don't want to mess with it. So she's on um, gabapentin and Onsior, which is uh, the uh, anti-inflammatory. And then she's on uh, omega-3s and joint aid, which has got the muscle in. Um no, so brilliant. I don't want to mess with it because it, we've got a balance with her, you know. Absolutely. If it, if it ain't broke, you know, what's that mm. expression? You know, don't fix it. Hey, Anna, sorry to bother you again. I'm, I know I'm always picking your brains, but you are the expert. <laughs> um, Billy needs a new harness. Uh, the one we have is, I think it's, it's starting to fray. Um, and I always like the um, Prudences and, and Binksies. What would you recommend? Oh, yeah. Well, Prudence and Binks, they wear this brand called Dogs and Horses, which actually isn't based too far away from you. They're at Kensal Rise. Oh, and yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You could pop over. They've got a workshop there and everything's handmade, you know, to amazing standards. Oh, yes, Billy. Already, he really yeah. is. You could go visit. And it's all like Italian leather. <laughs> Yes, it is. And it's rolled and they've got so many gorgeous colours and they do a very groovy designed harness and they do, you know, the leads that I really like that are like those double clip leads. They're so great because you can shorten them and lengthen them as you need, you know. Well, they do super ones of those, I must say. Cool. All right. So I'll swing by. But if I if I can't swing by, obviously I can buy them online. eh? Where would I go? Yeah, yeah, it's um their website. What is it now? Oh, yes, it's dogsandhorses.co.uk. What's that? So hang on, write that down. Say it again. Dogsandhorses.co.uk. Brilliant, thanks. Good luck. Cheers. Billy, should we, should we go get a new harness? Billy, should we get a harness? What is it? Let's get a harness. Okay, okay, let's go. 
it is sad these conditions because they are completely debilitating and it's it's the finances I suppose as well you know we're living in an age where fuel bills are rocketing and the price of everything's going up so you know a lot of owners that might unwittingly take on a puppy with a condition like elbow dysplasia you know I mean they might just decide to euthanize you know thinking that the ongoing treatment after the initial surgery is just all going to be too much yeah luckily we were insured but some people aren't insured it's thousands and thousands of pounds for the surgery and then it's costing probably hundreds of pounds every few months for all the other extra bits and bobs that she has and special joint food and you know all the different things it all adds up it's a it's expensive. I mean, we definitely do it for her, but some people just couldn't afford it. No, that's right. I'm, I'm very lucky that I can. But back to all the medication. Anna, it's so sad. Every morning she runs to the counter in the kitchen and sits there and waits for her tablets every morning and every night. And I think, oh, my God, a dog shouldn't be doing that. I know, but she thinks they're treats. Oh, yeah, she does. I know she does. But I know it's medication to keep her going and it just like breaks my heart. I know. I I can imagine, you know, it it must be awful. And, and, you know, she is only four. So, Mm. but it's a journey. I, I do believe, Annie, dogs are sent to teach us and to put us on a path every single dog is a chapter of your life and I think what's happened here with Buttons is she's given you this energy and passion to stand up for proper breeding health testing and for these issues that can totally destroy a dog's confirmation to be corrected and and in a way you know her legacy is going to make change or being well yeah so I feel quite emotional about this you know for on your on your behalf really that's what keeps me going she can't do it for herself the dogs can't do it for for themselves we humans are messing up dogs we're doing it and we shouldn't have and we and, and it's our responsibility to undo it somehow and that's what drives me it's it's a guilt that humans have done this oh it makes me so cross I'm as guilty, we're all guilty because we all want a nice pretty dog that looks like that or a nice fierce dog that does that. So we demand them that they look like this and, and behave like that or whatever. So we, we've got a responsibility to change how we view dogs as well, that maybe us demanding a dog looking a certain way is not healthy for the dog. No, but, but I mean, a Bernese is quite a balanced looking dog you know let's face it you know she's got a lovely tail a lovely <laughs> top line that she can breathe she can run she yeah. is quite dog-like you know yeah compared to for example the, the breed you know I feel has been perhaps damaged the most which for me is the Pekingese actually mm. you know yeah because they never used to walk on their elbows <laughs> they used to have legs <laughs> and they yeah, used to have a little so nose sad, it is, you know, and that's where we've got fine art, you know, Annie, to be our reference because of all of the yes, silk, yes, silk paintings course. that go back yeah. to, you know, whenever the Ming Dynasty or whatever. And there there are these dogs on there that are clearly Pekingese. And, you know, they you can tell they're Pekingese, but there's a lot of differences in them 
in you see today. But, you know, interestingly, um, my radio colleague, Joanne Good, has just taken on a bulldog puppy. And I have to say, this bulldog has a nose. I trained a bulldog just at the weekend, actually. Again, this bulldog had a nose and a straight tail because, of course, bulldogs and the flat face breeds have really been clamped down on, if you like. And it's interesting. It does seem from these two examples I've seen very recently that breeders are making an effort to change the confirmation so that they're not as overly exaggerated as they were. Yes, there's um, a lady, Levitt Bulldogs, I think it is. Oh, the Levitt, yeah. Yeah, and she's really working hard to be responsible. She did a brilliant post on Facebook about, uh, I think it was her, about a dog that she was going to breed with and she discovered it got elbow dysplasia, although it was showing no signs of it, but it broke her heart. She's taken it out of the breeding programme. And, and so she should. An ethical, responsible breeder. Absolutely. That, that is exactly what breeders should do, you know. Mm. But I always say as well in life, in every aspect, really, that it, I do believe it's the minority, you know, that spoils it for the majority. I mean, we're not talking puppy farmers here or anything. We're talking about people who are passionate about a breed. You know, they've lived with these dogs. Some people have been living with these breeds for sort of 50 years. And, you know, um, they they love them very, very much. And they want to see their, their continuation in a very healthy, healthy way. But, you know, it's a, it is, I think, the minority. It's the minority of people who drink and drive, you know. It's the minority of people, I used to think, that didn't pick up their dog poo. That is also changing at the moment. The amount of people these days that don't seem able to pick up their poo, Annie. I know this is on a totally mm. different level here, but it kind of is symptomatic of you know, this rise in in massive rise in dog ownership. And I think people not knowing what to expect, not knowing that you've got to check for elbow dysplasia and, and, and some breeders taking advantage of this fact. I don't know whether sometimes it's through pure ignorance that the breeders don't know about it themselves or they've been indoctrinated that it's just something, it's the norm. I don't really believe anybody is malicious enough to try and fob off. I don't know. I, th I think it's more ignorance than malicious you know I hope so yeah well yes yeah <laughs> I know I know but another thing I know the kennel club did introduce I, I think it's called select mate which is this online software system where you can plan litters with different fathers and different mothers on the internet first and and it calculates their coi that you were talking about there, their gene coefficiency and whether they're inbred or outbred. And it's all done for you, you know, on a laptop, which, of course, things like that didn't exist, you know, until quite recently. Are you all for these types of assets? Absolutely. They're brilliant. But the problem is only about 30% of breeders register with a kennel club. So you've got 70% out there, which is an awful lot of breeders that nothing to do with the kennel club and it and so we're talking about assured breeder schemes brilliant but 30 percent that register with the kennel club probably five percent assured breeders the rest is just not legislated or not come under any umbrella 
really that much, is it really? Yeah. But only Honestly, 30% of all 30 puppies to bred. 40% maximum. I had a com- I, I, I've been in conversation with the kennel club a few times and, and yeah, 30, maximum 40% of breeders are registered with the kennel club and only a very small fraction of those are assured breeders. So there's no way assured breeders can produce enough puppies of a quality for the demand. So that's why people go all over the place to get ones from abroad or ones from, you know, Jenny next door or whatever, because it's just not there. So if there was an umbrella over everybody, all breeders, not just specifically in the kennel club, but every breeding dog, it would gather them all up and, and, and buyers would know parents of the puppy that you're looking at have got to be registered. And if they're registered, that means they've had the health, the temperament and the confirmation all checked. Yeah. So we're going to have links, obviously, in the show notes to the petition. Um, how many signatures have you got, Annie? And how many <laughs> do you need by when? OK, so I've got 300 <laughs> and I need 100,000. <laughs> Okay, okay. There's a bit of hard work going there. <laughs> well, gosh, I know, but it's it's worth it. That's the campaign. It's called What's in My Jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Yep, yep, yep. Because everything is in your jeans. Absolutely everything, yeah. isn't it? Um, and, you know, they say it's 50% genetic, 50% nurture in terms of temperament. But in terms of confirmation... I'd say, you know, it's 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 about 100 percent genetic. I mean, yes, you can have a dog slipping on sliding floors when they're young and that can affect the confirmation at an early age when dogs are growing, you know, and, and, and come back to bite you later. So it's very important for everyone to understand, you know, a dog is so multifaceted, temperament, confirmation, you know, weight, coat, skin, eyes, ears, paws, all of it, everything needs looking after. Absolutely. And, and people don't know, they don't realise that. They don't realise that temperament can be inherited, that, you know, that, and, and that the, the, the mother dog, if she's stressed, she can send stress hormones into the puppy's brains that make them born more prone to fear reactions, all sorts of things like that. It's all to do with the, the looking after the, 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 the mother, the bitch, as she's pregnant, everything. It all contributes to what the little puppies are going to be like. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a very, it's a massive responsibility um, that I really hope this takes off. Well, Annie, you've got our support, definitely. And thank you very much for joining us today. And what we'd love is obviously to come on in in a few months and uh, give us an update. I would love to. Thank you very much. Thank you for talking to me. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, we will be signing the petition and encouraging lots of other people to do so as well. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. I can't stress enough how important it is to check that your future pup's parents have been thoroughly health checked and temperament tested. That's why I recommend finding a puppy from a Pup Starts breeder. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again to Annie Wilson and all her links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer, and you can find out more about him and his company at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? 
it's free and then you'll never miss another show bye for now